Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the curious case of Gabrielle Deck and I'm also going to be talking about Alexei Pokusevsky and where his empty minutes go now. And to top it all off guys, like always, I'm going to be giving a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But starting it off first, guys, I'm going to be talking about Gabrielle Deck. This is the one player who kind of has just been thrown into the shadows as of late. No one's been talking about him for what seems like months now. Uh, and it's kind of justified as to why, because he has not played. And he's kind of in an interesting situation with the OKC Thunder. And if you guys have been following me over at si thunder inside the thunder whatever you want to call it you guys know that i posted an article on gabrielle yesterday but i'm going to also be talking about him in today's pod so just looking at him uh from the surface level i I think we all know like you know he is outside of the thunder rotation uh and it's kind of hard to find a real fixture a real spot for him in this rotation, but I think the story of him still being on this team and the story of him coming to this team in the first place is kind of worth uh, a little bit of a rewind. So when you look at Gabrielle's entrance to Bricktown, kind of came out of nowhere. And it was because Oklahoma City, they were doing terrible. I think they were down five consecutive games when Gabrielle got signed, got up to 14. Um, but you know, they get in that little cold spell and they're just full of a roster with minimal money on the salary books. You have guys on rookie scale contracts. You don't have many people really cramming the salaries. I think the biggest one that you would have found was probably Al Horford. No one else was that bad uh, right there. So they had a lot of just dead wasted money and it didn't get them up to the salary floor and if you guys remember the salary floor it's kind of like that minimum threshold that teams need to meet and oftentimes it goes the other way where teams are going into the luxury tax playing uh going into repeater tax stuff like that but the thunder they were playing it safe they were just penny pinching all of last uh last season and to show for it you know they were about to just divvy up however many millions of dollars 15 ways when they could get another project piece uh, instead. So what they ended up doing was they decided to buy out the contract of Darius Miller. He became a free agent. And then in the place of that, they did sign Gabriel uh, Deck. And then he came from Real Madrid. And Gabriel Deck wasn't just this nobody who got signed by an NBA team, right? Like there were multiple different... Uh, spikes of interest through his career I think he was playing professionally since like 15 but I remember Kobe uh, saw him at one point said hey like the Lakers that might be a good fit there there were some murmurs that he'd make the jump multiple times Uh, but this was the main one and obviously when you're looking at his situation Real Madrid he's playing in the Liga ACB the Euro League it's like the second best league that you're gonna find in the world right behind the NBA you're gonna find the Euro League you're gonna find the Liga ACB and then you take a little bit of a uh, a jump or I guess a little bit of a spiral to get down to some of those other Euro League teams that you will find but yeah he was really productive there when you're looking at Real Madrid's roster from that year 
lots of talent. Eddie Tavares, like the Hawks guy, he had like one major game, I believe. Trey Tompkins has been really good uh, in the EuroLeague ranks. Jeffrey Taylor, he was with the Hornets slash Bobcats. J.C. Carroll, he's been a ridiculous sharpshooter for them. Vincent Poirier, the man that the Thunder had for all of like, what, two weeks or something. Anthony Randolph. So they had the talent. So he comes in and he's expected to do maybe something uh, for that roster. And it was a really good signing on paper because it was almost a win-win. For Gabriel Deck, he finally gets to go to the NBA. He's wanted to be there for a long time. And then for the Thunder, they're essentially getting Gabriel Deck for nothing because that money was going to go to waste regardless. Darius Miller, he was a good veteran, but he just came off that ACL injury the season before. Couldn't really be productive for the team anyways. So it made sense to cut ties and try to get something with Gabrielle there. And they got that deal inked on April 9th. The problem was he's in Real Madrid. Oklahoma City is in Oklahoma City, right? So that's a bit of a trip. And he's not from America. You have to deal with all the visa stuff. He finally got clearance through that. He gets stuck in a Bricktown hotel for what seemed like a week. Had a picks, uh, actually test negative on six consecutive COVID tests. So, like, the journey just to get clearance to play uh, was wild. But it got done after 20 days. It was April 29th when he was allowed to get in. And then he played against the Pelicans, against Zion Williamson. And I remember he had, like, a behind-the-back play in transition everyone was going crazy about. Had a really nice... Um, like defending possession against Zion Williamson. I think he also might have gotten like a little driving fade off on him, right baseline in that one too. But everybody was super hyped up. And after the season ended, his averages were pretty solid. He put up 8.4 points, 4 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. Played 21.2 minutes, so that's not all that bad. Uh, I will say, I mean, even after that point, it was like a test run. It was an experiment. And Gabrielle, his play style was a bit different. Like, this is a set shot jumper. It was shooting in the mid-30s with Real Madrid. It didn't work out in the 10 games he had with the OKC Thunder. And then, obviously, the pace of the game, too. He's not as fast. Uh, Decision-making-wise, he's good at passing the basketball. But, yeah, going up and down the court, not his strong suit. So, he goes into the offseason kind of still as an unknown because... Yeah, he was solid in tiny little spurts there, but did the Thunder really want him? He's a 26-year-old. The Thunder are obviously looking to get younger. They go into that draft uh, with some really high selections, three first-rounders, those two top-of-the-line second-round picks. So it looked like there'd just be five rookies, and he'd be pushed out of there. But there was no real uh, rumors or like any signs of what would happen to Gabrielle over the offseason. And all it came down to uh, was this deadline date. I think it came in late September, but once that deadline passes, the contract becomes fully guaranteed. I think it had a partial guarantee to begin with, but either you decline to pick his option up, he's gone, or you sit it out, you pick him up, and he continues another season, or you just resign him to a new deal. They were not going to do that because he's only making around 3.6 some odd million right now 
But Sam Presti decided to play the waiting game. He kept everybody just watching and looking at the Thunder's kind of transaction log because they had that empty rotation spot and it just never got filled. That date finally passed and Gabrielle was back on the team. I think he literally was that 15th man on the roster because Mama D uh, got kind of waved and that was a bit of a surprise. But yeah, he made it through that gauntlet. He was on the 15-man roster. Looked like he was going to be good to go for this season, but outside of the preseason play, he has not been given really much time at all. And you look at the roster, 10 guys that are 23 years old or younger. You have SGA who needs his minutes. You have Giddy who is a point forward just like Deck. He needs 30 minutes a game. Lou Dort's taking up 30. So it'd just be that bench roll, but the bench roll gets kind of taken away too. Kenrich Williams is there. Alexei Pokusevsky's getting minutes. And then you have guys like Roby, Favors, Muscala just filtering in and out. So it never really gave him that opportunity to begin the season, and he still has not gotten that opportunity with the Thunder. He's only played 45 minutes this season, and I broke down the numbers based on his contract. For every minute he's played so far this year, he's averaging $81,707.82. So he just has to ride the bench, and the paychecks are still coming in for him, but I'd have to imagine he wants to play some minutes. I mean, the only time he's gotten real minutes have been against the Memphis Grizzlies when the Grizzlies won by a record-setting 73 points. So that really doesn't even count in my book. He's only gotten 23 legitimate minutes this season. That's not a good look. When you look at the Thunder, they're on that timeline where they're just pushing out young talent. They're trying to develop these 22, 23-year-olds, even younger than that, the 19-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, harvesting first-round picks. And then on deck... He's kind of on a different timeline. He's 26 years old, which is not old for NBA standards. It's not really the prime age yet, but it's not 22. It's not 23. 26 is almost a veteran here uh, within the roster, and he kind of gives what you already have in Josh Giddy, at least in the sense of just the passing ability. And even with guys like Poku, they have all these oversized passers. And Deck has just sort of been that odd man out. And when you look at this roster, I don't know if there's minutes here currently. There's been some efforts by the Thunder to give him uh, some more time, not in terms of NBA level or even G League level. But what they've started to do is they started to move him up and down between the G League. I think he's had three different assignments with the G League in the last two or three weeks, he's only played two games in the last 30 days for the Thunder, just for reference. But yeah, so he goes there for, I guess, more intensive practices. But he just got recalled yesterday, so he's not going to be playing for the OKC Blue. I wouldn't imagine he'd be there for the tournament games. That's next week for them. So he's just sitting on the active OKC Thunder roster, not getting minutes, and they're not playing him with the G League. So he's kind of just stuck in his own little shell that was kind of the corny line i had to use on my article just like el tortuga if you all remember the turtle that's his nickname put him in that shell he's in his own area sort of in terms of how the minutes go and in terms of situation on this team 
Uh, but what are the options to get out of this? Is he going to get minutes? I think minutes might come in due to Poku. I'll talk about that in a second. But that's really the only opportunity. The only opportunity comes in when there's injuries or there's G League assignments. As of right now, he's not getting minutes on this base roster. Do you want to play him in the G League some? Maybe that's the route you want to go. Do you want to trade him, potentially? That's a route that was talked about even over this summer. Does somebody need a veteran? Someone need a passing playmaker? The San Antonio Spurs special? That might be Gabrielle Deck right there, right? Like, just someone who does all the little things. He's not crazy as an athlete. He's not an insane sharpshooter. He's just good in a bunch of different areas, which does oppose some value to some teams. So, try to toss him out for a second rounder. I don't know if he'd actually fetch that value, to be honest, right now, just because he hasn't played. But maybe he's that random guy you throw in to make contracts work in a deal. When the trade deadline comes around, or when trades start coming around in general, they can join in as that third or fourth team, and guess what? If there's a playoff contender in the mix, and they have two or three million dollars uh, that they need to get the money to work out, that's when you pan out Gabrielle Deck, and that's how you get the agreement on both sides, because I think when you look at who's the most expendable on this roster right now, Gabrielle Deck is by himself. Does he have more value than a Kenrich Williams? Absolutely not. Kenrich Williams has a lot of value. Two more years on his contract, he's making a $4 million paycheck collectively over those two seasons, so he is like a perfect, perfect piece, uh, but that has a lot of value attached. With Deck, he's been unknown. He showed in those 10 games he was solid. He has an 11-year pro career where he picked up three LNB championships, was the LNB MVP. That's the top league in Argentina, by the way, and he's been going to the Olympics, so you know he's a player, but he just hasn't had the opportunity with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it's going to be this kind of storyline, uh, or I guess timeline clash that has been going on. It probably will continue here. But it is just something to note because Deck has not been getting time. When you do check out the minutes, as I said, a lot of those minutes really have not been coming uh, as legit. They're all just kind of like fourth quarter. You're down by 30 minutes. Let's put in Deck for a bit. And I think the shot chart would probably also show you that. He's averaging 2.2 points, 0.8 rebounds, and 0.5 assists, averaging just 7.5 minutes. Take out the 22-piece probably cuts you down to about six or seven right there. So, you know, Dex, Dex in a weird, weird spot. Probably will get resolved this season. If not, he'll just be on the back end of the bench. Or he could get some minutes due to Alexei Pokushevsky's absence. So I will talk about Poku's absence, the void he's leaving behind in the rotation, and who I believe will be filling those minutes. But first, I want to talk about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love the action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to lose can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. 
Everyone can play for huge cash prizes, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets if they score. You score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving into the Alexei Pokusevsky segment. Talked about him in yesterday's episode. Talked about his previous stats, his time in the G League last year, and kind of how that bolstered his stat line going into the second portion of his rookie season. And he's going to be back. After playing 26 games with the Thunder, 26 of 26, just one of three guys to play in all those games to that point, he's gone. And in that time, he was averaging 15 minutes per game. The shooting splits were not good for him. A lot more negatives, I guess you would say, uh, in terms of shooting than there were positives. He did have some kind of outbursts here and there that does uh, uh, kind of glimmer off some of that hope. But yeah, I mean... You kind of had to put him back in the G League. I understand why you want to do that. Just because you got to get his confidence back up. Give him some more reps in kind of the first unit. And there's going to be some other OKC guys down there. Teo's down there currently. Isaiah Roby is down there. We'll see what happens to guys like Vit Krejci and some of the two ways as well. But I think it's a good situation all around. But you still got to look at that big boy roster with 15 minutes now pulled out of the rotation. So a little bit earlier, I was trying to give a bit of a breakdown on the rotation. I think I did this before the season started, had a bit of a mid-season breakdown when Ty Jerome was going off, and now we are sort of at V3, but this one is going to have some implications for sure because we have Alexei Pokusevsky out for some time. Now Lou Dort as well, He's going to be out, I believe he will be out for the Pelicans game tonight, but we're going to be looking into the future. It's a left ankle sprain. I would think he will be back in about three or four games with Poku. We just don't know right now. So I want to go top to bottom and kind of see where the void now rests with him being out of the rotation and what I think a good rotation would be to kind of build around the empty spot that Poku has left. So you start with that starting unit. It's pretty obvious what you're doing here, one through three. SGA's picking up 35 minutes. Giddy's been averaging 31. Let's keep him at 31. Lou Dort's been averaging 31. Also keep him at 31. And then in the front court, Baze is getting 26 minutes and JRE is getting 22. Now with Poku gone, maybe Baisley gets ticked up to 28 to 30 minutes. We've seen in the close ones, he's more of a 30-minute player. But right now, I'm going to keep it at what the regular season averages have been. The second unit, though, 
is where things get a little bit more spicy because 15 minutes are out, but also there have been some new trends within this Thunder roster. I think the biggest one has been rookie Trey Mann. He's been averaging double digits in the last seven. He's looked really good, dropped a 19-piece, dropped a 17-piece, and even in the G League, he clipped the 30-point mark in a game, so he can score in bunches. They're going to keep him in this rotation. I think they gave him 20 minutes, and the averages as of late, he's been posting closer to 22. I honestly think against the Pels, he'll be closer to 25 to 28, just because Lou Dort will be gone. But with the fully healthy team, I'm still going to give him 20 minutes. I think he's kind of earned that six-man role within the roster. Ty Jerome has looked good, uh, not as often as Trey, though. And then Teo, he's looked good in the G League, too. But just as a result of all this competition, he's the one being left on the outside as of right now. So have him at 20. Kenrich Williams as well. You can't leave him off the rotation. He's earned his spot. He deserves more than 17 minutes. That's what I'm going to give him at this two-guard spot right now, though. And then the three has nobody in it currently because Poku is gone. Trying to fill in that gash. It's going to take a bit more of some rotational funny business. So we're leaving the shooting guard with K-Will. Small forward with nothing. And then you go to power forward. I'm putting Mike Muscala there. And Mike Muscala typically runs as that five. However, the way that this rotation works, positions are thrown out the window. You'll see JRE with Muscala. You'll see Bays with Muscala. You'll see Favors with Muscala. Muscala can play on his own too. I think he stays around 13 minutes. They don't like playing him 20 plus. He's very damn efficient though. Uh, so I think you keep him around this Baker's dozen give him one more tick to it to give him 13 and then you're off for that backup five no surprises here Derek Favors gets that gig with 18 minutes that's more of your traditional five whenever the Mavericks were just hounding them earlier on last game Derek Favors got called upon to aid a bit did a decent job you always have to have a traditional five that you're not going to find one but like I said closest one is Derek Favors. So that gives you a nine-man rotation with 28 extra minutes to utilize. That's when it gets extremely fun. So there's a lot of contenders for these 28 minutes, and you don't have to give it to one person. You can cut it up two ways. Hell, you can cut it up three ways, or you can give more backbone to guys like Trey Mann or Kendrick Williams, if you would like, uh, to kind of cut down the 28 to maybe 20 or so. But I'm keeping it there. Contenders for the three spot would be Paul Watson Jr. and Gabrielle Deck. In the last five or so games, Paul Watson Jr. has been averaging 14 minutes per game. That's because they want to see more reps from him. They want to see him as that spot-up shooter. And I think that still gives him a decent chance, even though he has not found the mark on many shots. He's shooting 2 of 13 currently from beyond the arc. And then Gabrielle Deck... Already talked about him for 15 minutes. We know the story with him. Only 45 minutes to his name. Could he get some more because Poku is gone? Kind of that seven-footer, the passer. Gabrielle Deck is a lot smarter of a passer, I would say. You always got to put a question mark on his jumper, though. Is the jumper good enough to where you want to put him on the floor, give him that second chance, or do you keep him on the outside still? 
Then you move on to more traditional guards, where that's when the funny business begins. Ty Jerome's that first guy. I had him uh, a couple weeks ago as a guy that's going to get double-digit minutes. He's earned it. Now Trey Mann's earned it, and he's out. But maybe he finds his way back in due to Poku being gone. I don't expect Ty Jerome to go back to the G League. I think he's here to stay. So you would put him at that two guard and move Kendrick Williams up to that three. As we all know, Kendrick Williams played anywhere from the two to four last year. He's able to do it proficiently really anywhere. I think he can play at that three spot as well. And then the same goes if you want to insert Teo Maladon as that two. Teo has been playing pretty solid in the G League. He's had some games where he can't find the mark from distance. That's kind of the biggest concern we've had for him this season, but you still want to give him another shot. Now is the time to do it. Poku out, put him at that two, slap Kenrich Williams in as that small forward bandage, or you can just go with Isaiah Roby and get another guy who can play from the three through the five. Both of his games in the G League, he's had double doubles. That's really the only time he's been getting serious minutes. The few times he has gotten serious minutes with the Thunder, he's arguably done a pretty good job. I think the segment when I did on him uh, a little earlier, he was averaging around seven points per game, three or four rebounds. He was looking good. And he still is the same player as last season. He's kind of the same breed as Jeremiah Robinson Earl, just that kind of tweener that you're going to lodge up to the five due to necessity. Sometimes it will give you that positional matchup you like. Sometimes it's going to go the other way though. And Roby, Jeremiah, whoever it is, they're not going to be able to handle a seven footer with a lot of post move skills. So Still kind of a situational piece, but I think he's good enough to where you might want to give him a second opportunity, see what he does at the top of the key. He's looked very good as a slasher in the G League. Think that would stick. See if he's a good penetrator on those fives uh, in the NBA level again. But those are the five guys that I just like labeled off right there i think you could include someone like aaron wiggins if he does uh if he does come back i think he's probably going to stay with the g league for a little bit here but if he does come back i'd probably push him above some of these other guys just because he did look pretty solid when he did play with the okc thunder but just going off of that pool of five players i think you end up picking two of them so you have the traditional starting unit, like I said, SGA, Giddy, Dort, Bays, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. The second unit's going to bring you Trey Mann, Kenridge Williams, Mike Muscala, and Derek Favors. And then you have the void at the small forward spot. But the way that I patch this up, Kenridge Williams gets moved up to the small forward position, and Ty Jerome is back into play. I really like this tandem here with Trey Mann and Ty Jerome. Trey Mann is more of that ball handler. He's the shot creator that you're going to find off your second unit. The microwave scorer who might get into double figures, might drop 19 against the Lakers. Who knows what he's capable of right now, and he is just budding with potential. So he is that primary ball handler. However, you also have the second fiddle with Ty Jerome, where he's more of that half-court guy. He's never going to take you ISO more of just wait and see type of player. If he sees a backdoor cut, he's going to find you off the backdoor cut. If he gets a high ball screen, he's going to go inside. If he has a penetration, he'll take it. If not, he'll look to pass. 
so they're kind of opposites in terms of how they like to play with the ball in their hands. You have a primary distributor in Ty Jerome and a primary just shot creator in Trey Mann, but the reason it kind of harmonizes is because Ty Jerome is such a good catch-and-shoot player, and Trey Mann has looked like a solid one as well. You need to just mold this team with a lot of sharpshooters, and Ty Jerome was one of the best last season he's kind of dipped this year but I still think he's good when he's wide open this dude can pull it from 32 feet out so that's why it works well with Trey and then with Trey man he's also going to hit it wide open too I believe if he's stuck in that corner so that's the duo that I really enjoy Kenrich Williams too decent enough catch and shoot guy Mike Muscala is always going to be good there and then you obviously are going to filter them in and out of different units so Josh Giddy might be running with them at some points might have Trey Mann with SGA Ty Jerome's playing with SGA it doesn't matter I think Ty Jerome is just such a piece all around to where you could kind of stick him anywhere and I think this is a situation uh, that works much nicer than a Teo Maladone might just because Teo needs the basketball in his hands he was okay as a catch and shoot guy when SGA was out there but it looks like he hasn't really established himself as of late Mark Dagnall's been stressing how you kind of have to earn your reps here. I think Ty Jerome has done that just a little bit better than Teo. So that's why he gets into that second unit. You fill out the 14 minutes and you get the 10-man rotation. But even with that, you still have 14 more minutes that you can use. Get your roster up to 11 or you could fill out some more minutes for the bench unit guys. You could want to split it so Trey Man goes up to 5. Maybe give Kenrich Williams up to 22. That's going to get you to, what, 4 more minutes remaining. It's not that hard to dish it out, right? But I still think the Thunder want to be looking at all different options. They're not going to cut this down to 10 players when Poku's out. This is the time where you're probably filtering guys in and out game by game for those 14. And obviously with Lou out... A lot of these guys are going to play regardless because now it would be, what, a 44-minute void, 45-minute void? Maybe you could give them all to deck. He could double his minutes or something. But, yeah, right now, just 14 minutes left. I think you just assign this to Paul Watson Jr. That's been the common trend here. And I think Paul Watson Jr. still needs to find his footing. He needs to prove that he deserves this contract. And I'm not someone within the front office, right? Like, I can't call shots. I can't say what's going on here but like I can't imagine they're too impressed with what he's been doing lately and if I was in that front office desk I would be looking at other options potentially who could fill in this spot maybe give me more flexibility at the four and the five maybe give me a true five or get someone who can give you the best of both worlds who's going to be the guy who can fill in for Kenrich Williams if he gets traded which it seems like that might happen it seemed like it last year but I don't know like, just prepare for impact. Find the best aid for, you, uh, for your situation. And right now, I wouldn't say Paul Watson has been that. That's why you give him more opportunities. He's a good enough catch-and-shoot player to where I still believe in him. I think you give him five more games of this. If he can't hit shots, that's when you give it a, a bit of a second thought here. But, yeah, I mean, the dude was shooting a career 41% for a reason. Shooting 47% with the Raptors for a reason. Put him in there during some of those second units. 
He's going to be a guy that's sagged off on just because he's that two-way player. I don't think people put much of a scouting report into Paul Watson Jr. And all of his threes to this point have been either lightly contested or just wide open off the catch. So I still think you want to evaluate him a little bit more. And if it doesn't pan out, that's when you go back to the two-way guys. If you want to hear my top two contenders for that spot, listen to my pod from yesterday. Or you can just source those minutes into a guy like Isaiah Roby or a guy like Gabrielle Deck. So that's my 11-man rotation that I've formulated. If you guys have a different take on it, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up on my Twitter. It's just my name. Or you guys can hit me up on the pod's Twitter at ThunderstickPod. But to wrap things up, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the OKC Pelicans game. This game is going to tip off at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Find out on Bally Sports, of course. Pelicans are without Zion Williamson. Kyra Lewis Jr., he's out for the season. And then you have Lou Dort out for the OKC Thunder. So the minutes are going to be spread out just perfectly for tonight. I love these games where they have to depend on those sophomores, those third-year guys who maybe don't get enough opportunities because every time it does, seems to churn out some diamonds in terms of production and it gives you those storylines. Is Isaiah Roby back in business? Ty Jerome deserves more minutes. Now Trey Mann earned those minutes back. Someone's going to come out of this game on top, and that's what I love about this situation. I don't know who's going to be there in place of Lou Dort for the starting unit. I'd probably guess Kenrich Williams, but the bench is just going to be a revolving door, and that's what I love about this game. The Pelicans are technically doing worse than the Thunder this year. Both teams have eight wins, but the Pelicans are at 8-21, whereas the Thunder are 8 and 18. The Thunder got to ramp up their shooting. They've done terrible as of late from distance. They're the league bottom dweller at 30% right now. Uh, and for the Pelicans, on paper, they've looked great, but you take Zion out of the equation. Now you're looking at Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram. Last time Jonas got a piece of the Thunder, he just dominated them. So I'd say that's the number one priority. Make sure you hound him inside, whether it takes Jeremiah, Derek, just don't allow the Pelicans to outscore you by 30 points in the paint like last game, please. And I think you will be uh, in a pretty good situation following that. But I'm going to give you guys the top performers for tomorrow's game. Going to give you the recap and then the OKC Blue and how they did in their last contest but other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya